The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show that every week champions entrepreneurs and startups, early stage businesses, in fact, all small business right across the world. We um, get emails from about 53, 54 countries, and I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. So let's begin today with a little segment called Bob's Thought for the Day. They're sayings that are simple and really get us to think. The theme of today's show is predominantly communication. So I have three communication-related sayings for you. The first has never been so true. He who knows does not speak. He who speaks does not know. How often do you find that? The second saying, (laughs) one I love, which shows you where I'm coming from, conversation, like certain parts of our anatomy, always runs much more smoothly when lubricated. That comes from the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> it's cute, though. The third saying today is also one that I've expressed here often. Communication is the real work of leadership. Most important thing a leader can do. So I'll bring you some more words of wisdom next week. The world's experiencing an incredible communications revolution that I think we possibly don't realise quite how big it is. 87% of all the people on the planet are carrying an amazing supercomputer in their hand or in their pocket 24-7, 365. Of course, this extraordinary supercomputer is called a smartphone, the most widely diverse electronic device on the planet. For the first time in history, we have a unique access to information, education, communication, as we saw in in, um, the Middle East, democratisation, and it's not restricted to the countries with the highest GDP, like most advancements are. In fact, of the top 20 countries in the world by cell phone penetration, only about half are in the top 20 GDP countries. So irrespective of the type of government, the unstable economic and political situation in a whole bunch of countries around the world, the mobile phone will greatly alter most aspects of our lives, not only in the developed countries, but in all countries of the world. 
mobile phones, they're much more popular now than PCs or laptops. Now, this is a number that blew me away. There are now more than 7 billion mobile phones, yet there are less than 2 billion PCs. So there are four times more mobile phones than there are PCs. And this year, more than 1 billion smartphones and tablets will be sold worldwide. 1 billion. So we're approaching the point where most mobile internet, where, where mobile internet users, they're going to surpass those who have access to the internet from personal computers. By far. And globally, 80% of consumers use computers to access the web in the last seven days. 80%. But 60% did so with their mobile phones. But it's the growth and the use of smartphones and tablets that's really quite extraordinary. Smartphones and tablets will increase mobile web traffic by 2,600% in the next four years. An increase in web traffic through smartphones and tablets, 2,600%. Now, when I mentioned that people carry their smartphones almost 24-7, An incredible number is that 86% of mobile phone users use their phone or their tablets while they're watching TV. And 37% of them are browsing the internet. So you're watching TV and you're browsing the internet on your phone or your tablet. And the really extraordinary thing about smartphones, they're still in their infancy. In just a few short years, Hundreds of millions of smartphone owners have begun using their phones for banking, financial administration, and they're saving a huge amount of time and money and creating great efficiency. Now, M-commerce, obviously mobile commerce, refers to any transactions initiated on a mobile phone. Today, M-commerce is over 12% of online retail up from 4% just 12 months ago. So from 4% to 12% in just 12 months. We've seen the effects of showrooming, decreasing sales of bricks and mortar retailers by up to 30%. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Add to this technologies such as near-field communication, mobile wallets, QR codes, It makes it so easy for merchants to create offers to mobile users and there's a substantial retail revolution taking place right now. The convenience of clipping and carrying a coupon on your phone is the reason why almost 70 million mobile coupons worth $2.4 billion are going to be redeemed this year. Now, three years ago, it was 200,000 coupons. This year, 70 million. So whether it's a coupon or an ad, getting value from local businesses via your phone, it's becoming accepted really rapidly, with 65% of consumers saying they're very comfortable now getting ads on their phones. So mobile marketing by retailers can only grow exponentially over the next five years. It's going to be a monster. Of course, the next big thing is likely to be location-based marketing. 
which is expected to grow to six billion by 2015. Now, smartphones have built-in navigation and location devices that allow businesses to know where an individual phone user is located. So this means that businesses can target advertisements that they send to an individual phone directly due to their location. So instead of treating customers as a monolithic entity, Location-based marketing adapts to the particular social, cultural and personal traits of customers because corporations and retailers are learning more and more about us. So they make assumptions about our habits and preferences based on our location at a particular moment. Now, some fast food eateries are seeing up to 65% redemption rates from new geofencing services that mark a business's territory and push ads whenever a user crosses that boundary into that territory. Google has a feature on its AdWords product, enabling consumers to see how far away a local business is from where the phone user is standing. Facebook's Places page allows consumers to check in to their favourite places in the local area in which they happen to be. Now, the major product segments that are using mobile commerce are travel services, computer electronics, clothes, books, music, and DVDs, but it is increasing across the board, and it's going to diversify greatly in the near future. And the growth in mobile commerce is going to essentially be determined by just six key trends. The first trend is the worldwide growth of of traffic, obviously. So as mobile traffic increases, more retailers begin using mobile commerce, leading to an increase in the number of mobile websites. There's going to be more apps. And the result, the number of sales within m-commerce is going to increase. That's logical. There are already some 2.5 million apps, and there's another 2,500 new apps being released every day. Now, this is generally because social media networks accelerate growth and quality of mobile platforms and they become the first step that users make in mobile internet. Today, people spend most time networking from their handheld devices than from their PCs. The second key trend in growing mobile commerce is mobile advertising and marketing. With mobile devices the user gets much more deeply involved in the buying process. So, and with SMS newsletters, you need to keep in mind the number of characters. But things like video games provide an exceptional opportunity for mobile marketing and promotion, not only because of the sheer size of the market and the fact that it's so interactive, but it allows the consumer to use GPS their smartphone camera, and, you know, all the augmented reality technologies. According to Fit for Commerce, at least 41% of retailers got positive results from investing in M-commerce, while 32% did not measure or did not know how to measure the return on investment of their actions. The third key in the growth of mobile commerce 
is location-based services that I mentioned a second ago. According to Google, the most popular search queries are geographical. With users asking, you know, where can I get this or that product close to where I am? According to Pew Research, location-based services are very popular among around 30% of all mobile web users and it's growing extremely quickly. So this is a great way for offline stores to get new customers. Research shows that more than half of phone users are ready to share their location providing they get relevant content such as coupons and discounts and stock data, routes and information about products. So they'll swap their location for data. Research, I'll try that again. Research also showed that among adults up to 34 years old, the number willing to exchange their location for content jumps up to 60%. So the fourth key in growing mobile commerce are apps. App Store and Android have radically changed the paradigm of using mobile devices. According to Android's official blog, there are already more than 25 billion downloads. 25 billion. Android alone. The fifth key to growing mobile commerce are virtual wallets. And more than 20% of smartphone owners have used their devices as a virtual wallet. And 28% expect to do so in the very near future. And over 25% of tablet owners have used their tablets as a virtual wallet. And 40% plan to do so in future. I wasn't able to find out why there's so many more tablet users use their tablet as a virtual wallet rather than cell phones. I've been unable, unable to find that. So if anybody out there knows, send an email to Bob at Bob Pritchard. Let me know, will you? I'd be interested. The final key to the growth of mobile commerce are mobile coupons and barcodes. Around 55% of smartphone and tablet owners expect to increase the use of mobile devices to look up information about a product and then use a mobile coupon. Almost the same number said they plan to scan barcodes more often to get additional information about a product. Now, these numbers are huge. And so we're going to find a lot of retailers will begin to promote mobile coupons and barcodes in the very near future. It is a great way to grow business. And when you think the use of the smartphone only really began in about 2007, so in the last five years, there's been this extraordinary growth in both the number of applications that a smartphone can be used for, as well as the number of people using them, not only in the major first world countries, but right across the globe. So there's no question in my mind that the use of the smartphone for communication, for education, for commerce, we've only just scratched the surface. So whether you're a consumer, a manufacturer or a retailer, if you are not on board the mobile revolution yet, well, the good news is it's still pretty early days. But the bad news is the growth is so fantastic. If I were you, I wouldn't wait too long. 
Now, don't forget, this program is all about you, the entrepreneur or the small business person that's listening to the show, looking for tips on how to be more successful. This is what we are here for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you've got a question, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or email you directly. You're listening to the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I'll be back shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. My next guest is a very close friend of mine, an Emmy Award-winning executive producer and a writer and a great drinking buddy. In this segment, we talk about the business side of show business. Rick began his career in variety television and then transitioned to the half-hour comedy genre where his credits include The Red Fox Show, Room for Two, Hooperman and many more. He also has a strong foothold in television drama with a long list of credits which include The Munros and The Closer and he's worked with a host of megastars. How are you, mate? Welcome to the program. I'm well, Bob. Thank you. It's great to be on with you and uh, congratulations on this show. Thank you. Uh, We've often spoken over a few drinks about how television's changed over the past 10 years and how that's Mm -hmm. affected everybody in the industry, really. Now, is that driven by a change in audience demands, or is it simply economics driving that? Uh, I think it's 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 mainly uh, driven by uh, by the fact that the audience is has scattered. The audience is not the reliable audience that was around ten years ago that you could habituate to three or four major networks. So uh, you know you've got the Food Channel, you've got all kinds of niche. Channels, you've got the, the emergence, the very, very strong emergence of cable. So the choices uh, are huge now, and the audience is, is spread out. I mean, there are people who are who just watch the Food Channel and have abandoned 
uh, uh, scripted television completely. And no one expected that to happen. And, uh, go ahead. What about... Um the fact that uh, that audience then causes smaller budgets, does it? And therefore, is that the reason why I have this plethora of yes. reality shows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've, you know, smaller budgets have always been the bane of, of producers like myself because uh, what happens is that even, even studios uh, who have tons of money, uh, being true capitalists, would like you to produce a very good show for less money every year. Yeah. So they... They're constantly trying to get you to produce it lower. So it is, uh, it is, it, it, it is industry-wide that they're always trying to do it lower. But this scattering, this dispersing of, of uh, the audience uh, by creating more venues has forced them into doing things, very, uh, these smaller networks, into doing things very cheaply. And there are people who are getting paid to executive produce uh, shows on the cooking channel that were that basically were, are making in salary what my craft services budget was right. on a network show. Right. Mate, I get a lot of scripts and requests for funding for movies. Why they send them to me, I have no idea. Um, or they want an introduction to the right people. So when people have a script that they believe is great... I thought that's why you were calling me. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to introduce me to the right people. <laughs> What's the next step? What comes first, the talent or the money or something else? Or is it necessary to get funding first? Or do you need a network or a studio to agree to produce it first? I know that's a convoluted well, question. I, well, it's not actually. I mean, the, 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 what comes first is a great script. Right. This town will always... Uh, heat up over a great script and then it's about getting that script out there. They have the mechanism to bring money to the party uh, if, if you bring money to the party that was, that's a plus that uh, makes you uh, stronger in the negotiations when it finally comes down to that but uh, if you have a great script you've got to work that script it's better actually to uh, uh, in terms of talent it's better to attach a director because stars who you think are in favor could not be in favor. The stars who are in favor on Monday by Friday aren't right. after their grosses on the latest movie come in. So it's better to get a director that they really like, uh, and you know, and go to a you know, go to a company like Reveille who funds uh, uh, motion pictures. That's the business that they're in. They're very smart about it, you know, because there are a lot of people who want to invest in movies. There's lots of hedge fund guys and stuff, but they don't really know what they're doing. They just have the money. Right. It's better to go to somebody who's a pro, who, who has the money and knows, also is, has good taste and knows a good product. Right. Right. I guess every writer thinks that they've got the world's best movie, right? They do. Yeah. And then the only one that I know of is me. <laughs> so you've obviously got an advantage, though. You've got an Emmy. You've got a great writing team around you. You know all the studios and the networks. You've had hit shows and you've raised lots of money. So... You've got an advantage, but you're, if you're somebody who's out there that's, that has written a script and it's a, let's say it's a great script and you're in the middle of nowhere, where do you start? I mean, what do you do? You, could, you can actually start. It, 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 it's just that kind of dogged pestering, come to this town, come to one of the centers of production, you know, in Australia, in England, in France. I mean, people, wherever you are and you think you've got a good script, find someone that you can pitch this script to, that you can hand them, you don't even have to hand it to them, uh, pitch it, you can hand it to them and say, look, read this, and if they like it, they'll take you to those 
uh, opportunities. But it's you got you can't go in it alone. You can't do it by yourself. And what happens on the next one, if that movie gets made and it's a hit, then you can call all those people yourself right. because they, they figure that you've got the magic touch for as long as you may or may not have it. But uh, it's, it's really uh, important, and you, you may have to, uh, say, take it in the shorts in the first time, you know. But get that script to someone. It's, a, it's more important than to, to get it made than to make a great deal so, for your first so do you, would you go and see an agent? Or, or is there an agent that will shop your, your script for you, or, or what's the process? Yes. You go, I, I, the first thing to do is find an agent. It's tough to get them to read it, which means that you have to be just tenacious. Right. You know, sleep on his lawn if you have to. Uh, and I tell this to people when I uh, speak at colleges. You know, uh, it's, it's really important to be... Uh, crazy at first yeah. you know because it's going to take that to get somebody's attention and 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 uh nine times out of ten they're not going to read your script but all it takes is one guy to read your script or one hot female agent to read your script and it's all over town if it's a good script it's all over town the, the minute she closes that script so uh, it's that oh, tighter it's that tight an industry it is i mean this good scripts are rare you know, there's tons of bad movies that are made with big stars and lots of action and lots of stuff, and they make a lot of money. But when someone sees a good script, they're going to take it and run with it. And someone who knows how to do that, someone from CAA, someone, you know, from one of the big agencies, even a, even a tough guy, a real a real smart guy at a small agency can do that. Because as soon as someone says that there's a hot new script in town, it it's all over the place. Everybody's got a copy. Okay, so... What sort of a deal? Somebody got a great script and they get introduced to who? Who would they get? In, who would a, a um, an agent introduce them to? The studio directly? Agent would take them right to a studio or take them, put them together with one of their directors, right. and then they would go to a studio. Okay. And the writer, uh, if it's the first time for the writer and is an unknown writer, uh, the writer can expect to be uh, continue in a state of poverty <laughs> <laughs> until. That movie is made, and it's a and it's a hit. And once once the studio gets it, are the studio likely to um, get one of their hotshot writers, such as yourself, and send it across to you and say, you know, rewrite this because we want to have our flavour on it, or is yes. it likely to survive the way it came to them? Uh, some do survive, you know, some do survive, but I, I know very few that 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 uh, get through that process without four or five rewrites. Right, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I rewrote a movie once that then went on to uh, uh, another writer to rewrite it a right. year later. And then it was sort of floating around and I'd totally forgotten about it and it came back to me. <laughs> Someone had forgotten that I was one of the original guys on the rewrite yeah. and it came back to me under a different title and I said, I wrote this movie five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what um, um, what are the, what are the essential ingredients in if you, if you sit down to write up let's say a television program first because you've written some great television programs what what's the key to that what's the most important thing in in writing a a program in in television yeah uh, you know everyone will say you got to have a hot concept you have to have the zeitgeist and you have to have that 
what you really have to have in television is great a great character or great characters. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter where they work or what they do, as long as they're compelling, because that's what television is about. They fall in love with the characters. They fall in love with the cast of Friends, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, the... <laughs> the um so if, if, let's say, you as an established um, writer and executive producer, would you take something that you wrote directly to the studios or would you try and raise the capital yourselves? If you've got the capital, surely you would do a better deal with the studio or whatever than if you don't. Is that right or not? It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it should be right. But uh, what, what happens is they really don't care the entities. I mean, the studios are the networks. Right. They own the networks. Right. So, you know, that, that whole system is something that changed television and film also. But the, they, they, uh, they really respond to the material. If they don't like the material, you can have it fully funded and you can have Robert De Niro in it yep. and they won't put it up. Okay. So, when you're negotiating something like that, do the, stu- the studios have all the aces, don't they? I mean, they've got every yep. ace and you've got none, really. So what sort of right. a deal can you expect to do as the writer of something like that, of a well, program? If your script, if your script is hot, and there's a bidding war, several studios want it, you're probably going to get a million dollars. Right. Uh, you will get uh, 600000 against uh, uh, principal photography when you'll get the rest of your money. But most scripts, that doesn't happen. So uh, what you've got is, is you'll make a, you'll make, I mean, you're not going to get scale because it's a big studio and they want it. Uh, yeah. You know, you'll make a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. And uh, a piece of the uh, uh, of the back end, which is net, and as you know, once when you face the big entities, there's no such thing as net. Yep, <laughs> I understand, mate. We've only got a few seconds left. So, what does the future yeah. hold for Rick Kellett? It holds. Uh, it holds exactly what you were talking about. A little bit more uh, experimenting with uh, with indie television and to see how that can be how that can be developed and made into something that uh, you could then make it uh, user-friendly for studios and uh, networks uh, and uh, the Internet. Yeah, Internet Shorter, is a big matter. smaller entertainment. Uh, very difficult to capitalize, uh, monetize, excuse me, monetize. But uh, if, you, if you, it is going to expand, it is going to be something someday, and it's, if you're not there now, you're not going uh, to you're not gonna be there when it comes. Okay, mate, I look forward to catching up with you soon. I'm, I'm actually in Sydney at the minute, and um, I um, will be back in L.A. next week. Well, we've got to go to Hong Kong Excellent. first, but then I'm back in L.A., and um, I'll catch you for a drink. you got our favourite stool at uh, Flemings for you. Okay, good man. See you soon. All Bye, right. buddy. Thanks. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment of the program called Make Your Pitch, where we give entrepreneurs the opportunity to tell listeners about their product or their project and solicit your help in order to help it bring it to fruition. My guest today is Andre Effeli, the Chief Executive Officer of eMedical Fusion. Andre possesses an MS, Information Systems Technology, from George Washington University and has 15 years of executive level experience in the design, development and deployment of information technology programs. That's interesting because my son, goes to George Washington University, so it's a small world. Andre, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks, Bob. According to US government data, there's approximately 20,000 cash and concierge medical practices, and that represents, I believe, about 12% of the total physician practices, um, and they deal in, in cash. And I understand that the health IT software industry is so focused and consumed with insurance and managed care that this huge cash segment is left to use tools that don't really address their specific needs. And how does eMedical Fusion address the needs of these 20,000, which seems like a hell of a lot, um, physician practices? Bob, that's a great question. Um, eMedical Fusion is a comprehensive, secure, web-based tool set specifically built for the cash and concierge-based practices, compounding pharmacies and nutraceutical vendors. We have specific solutions for all the players in the cash-based health ecosystem. So unlike the other players that were built for insurance, we were built right from the ground up as a cash-based solution. Okay, great. With, with 20,000 cash-based physicians... How much potential revenue does this, how much does that represent to um, eMedical Fusion in revenue? Well, Bob, the market potential is really, is huge. Um, based, if you just look at our uh, core offering, which is practice management EHR suite, which is currently offered at $489 per month plus uh, about $3,500 in setup and training fees, this part of the addressable market alone represents over $117 million in annual recurring revenue stream. Wow. This doesn't include multiple additional revenue streams that together significantly increase the potential annual revenue for eMedical Fusion. $117 million. that's not bad to start. Um, 
what are the additional revenue? What, what are these additional revenue streams, and how big are they? Well, the, if you look at our plan, we've really got about five revenue streams planned in total. We have revenue today already in three of those areas. The practice management suite that I just mentioned, uh, you know, with the potential annual revenue around 117 million, and then there are two additional re- uh, major revenue streams. Both of these additional revenue streams revolve around our ERX Connect product line, which is our based of, which is our uh, product that gets involved with web-based prescribing. One of these components is a pharmacy component that generates 25 cents per transaction for compounded medication scripts, and the other is a GPO fee-based component that yields about 3% of ongoing receipts for revenue uh, for practices that we refer. Together, based on our projections, we see these two revenue streams actually exceeding our core product revenue streams by the time we get two to three years out into our plan. Wow. That's... um I'm talking about $400 million a year here. Uh, Andre, what do you anticipate the potential combined revenue from these streams could be? Well, again, Bob, just looking at the three that I've talked about so far, we're, we're at around $250 million, and that still doesn't include some additional markets that we are already penetrating, like chiropractors, weight loss clinics, etc. I tell you, every time we look deeper, we find that our market is really expanding rapidly. So we're really excited about that. The, the and what's your what's your cost base? How, how much cost do you got? Are you you a bit like Microsoft, where you invent something and then it, it costs you very little, but you have fairly high return? Well, that that's true, Bob. Once we get to the point of uh, what I'll call critical mass, which is yeah, probably sure, about you sure. know, once we get to critical mass, then absolutely we exactly have that that model that you mentioned, where you know where there's not a whole lot of cost and you know we can bring a lot to the bottom line, and that's why we're you know we definitely want to get to critical mass here very quickly. Yeah, and and how big? How much is critical mass? Critical mass is somewhere between for us somewhere between 100 to 150 practices. I think is the first level of critical mass, and then I think the second level is probably a thousand practices where we really achieve massive scale. But we can start to really uh, turn things around and really get things going in a great way once we're at about 100 to 150 practices. And that's that's not a very deep penetration when you think you've got 20,000 potential clients that's out right, there. Bob. It's pretty small. Absolutely. That sounds like a great opportunity. Um, what's the acceptance been like from the medical profession for the suite of products so far? Well, Bob, the, the acceptance has been great. If you look at practices that are using our solution from small one-doc practices just, that are just getting started and have minimal staff to larger practices that have a lot of staff, they all love the feature-rich, easy-to-use, easy-to-learn type solutions combined with anytime, anywhere accessibility and the self-service features of our patient portal. So when you look at all those features combined, uh, and we can deliver all of this in what we call a pure web environment, meaning that you only need a web browser, any web browser, and you can get uh, full access to the software. Right. That's what people are excited about. On the pharmacy side, one of our current pharmacy clients estimates that the current savings from using the ERX module on their end is about $5 per new prescription, which is huge. Mm. Because of the, 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 the time savings involved, us delivering the prescription to them electronically in a, in a certain way, um, so when you look at that, that tells us that there's very significant upsides for pharmacies. And so the bottom line is that, you know, unlike startups, I mean, we've got working uh, products, we've got 25 medical practice clients, we've got six pharmacies, all as uh, paying clients today. And this will apply to any pharmacy? Uh, well, no, compounding pharmacies. Of, of all the thousands of pharmacies out there today, there's yeah. about 400 Compounding pharmacies that really make up our target market. Okay. Now, the regular pharmacies 
can can receive scripts, but but they're not on the paying side since they don't have any incentive to pay us um, for uh, for participation, whereas the compounding pharmacies do. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. We okay. the other ones are accommodated for convenience, but the compounding pharmacies is where our revenue stream is. Okay, right. Now, always the big question: What about competition? What competition do you got out there? Well, you know, Bob, there's always competition in some sure. way or another. Sure. Um, we're really the only complete solution being offered to this cash market. So the competition is, is some combination of, um, you know, solutions made up that, that where people are using things like Epic and all scripts, you know, some of the big names in the industry, clinical work, um, or even practice fusion. We've replaced them a few times. Um, some emerging players that have partial solutions and a lot of practices that are just using some paper-based manual system because they found that none of the other systems that are out there really work for them uh, as being a cash uh, being a cash practice. Now the right. you know the Epic and all scripts of the world will tell you that oh yeah our, our system can handle cash and it can but it doesn't have any of the specific functionality that's needed by a cash practice. So when we introduce e-medical fusion to different folks, whether it's at a trade show or whatever, the typical response is, wow, I didn't know there was anything like this available. Yeah, so instead of all the sort of cobbled together solutions where people have taken a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this to make it work, you just got the one solution that tackles it all. That's right. And a lot of people come to us where they've been using these cobbled up solutions. And so what they come to us with is they'll have three to four databases of patients. They'll have, they have a little scheduling system over here and they got some, you know, and they got a database there. They've got some, maybe they've got practice fusion. And so they're doing some clinical um, work in practice fusion and they've got a scheduling system. And then they got another system that they want to send an email out to their patients. And so pretty soon, you know, as you can see, that would get to be unmanageable to have three to four sure. different databases of patients. And so we see a lot of them coming to us in that sort of situation. Andre, how can our listeners help you and, and what, we can, what can we do to um, enable your company to, to achieve this huge potential growth? I mean, it, it really is enormous. And, and, and you know, I understand that the huge margins that can be made on, um, on software solutions. So how, how can our listeners help you? Well, Bob, you know, as, it always, as always, it comes down to capital. I mean, we've gone a long ways um, on a small amount of capital to date. And, you know, we've got, in order to really hit the market the way that we want to hit it um, in a big way uh, and really achieve our potential, uh, our growth capital requirements are about $2 million. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit less than what, you know, some of the other um, type startups are, tip- are asking for because we're not a startup. Like I said, we do have product. We have a very mature product. We're on version 5 right now of our software. Um, but this uh, capital will help us achieve our robust uh, product roadmap, which we've got all laid out in front of us. Um, some obviously some operating expenses until we can achieve critical sure. mass and get into the black, um, and then a significant expansion of marketing, which is really where a lot of the money will go. Because to date we haven't done any marketing really other than going to a couple of trade shows. So we've really focused on getting the product right, uh, getting our customers and, and making sure that they're happy and that we're really providing functionality that makes a difference. And now we're really ready to hit the market hard and, and go to the mass market um, and really achieve our full potential. Fantastic. Well, I hope I hope we can help you. Andre, great speaking with you today on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you'd like to know more about this exciting medical solution, I'm not just saying that. I, I think the potential is just huge. Um, we've, we've seen uh, software solutions and the, and the huge margins, and the medical profession is one that's getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger every day a true growth market. So um, if you'd like to know more about how you can get involved, you can con- contact Andre Direct at Andre, that's A-N-D-R-E, 
at emedicalfusion.com or visit us, visit them at emedicalfusion.com and fill out an inquiry form there. Or you can get in touch with me directly at bobatbobpritchard.com and I'll just refer you straight to Andre. Remember, this show is all about helping you, the entrepreneur. So we hope you keep listening. Tell your friends about the show and have a look at your finances. Call us up if you can help Andre and the other companies we feature because entrepreneurs need your help and at some point you will need theirs. So I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You caught me just reading a couple of my emails, so I apologize for that. This is the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Business Show, and uh, this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners from all around the world. It's incredible. You know, despite all the different cultures and all the different regulations and all the different types of businesses, the emails that we read are pretty applicable across the board and have relevance to all small businesses no matter where they are. Last week, I began to answer an email from Margaret Simmons from Phoenix in Arizona, and you might remember that um, I only got about halfway through it. Um, Margaret asked me about whether I'd thought about doing a workshop for small business in Phoenix. This is where this network is located, and I told her I'd look into it for the second half of the year. And the more I thought about it during the week, um, the more excited I get. So we're going to do some exploratory um, discussions with the local newspaper and also with some potential sponsors in um, in Phoenix and see if we can bring you a workshop in the second half of the year. Um, and uh, I think that if that works, then we can roll the, um, the concept out 
possibly across the country. So anyway, Margaret um, then went on to tell me about an article in the local newspaper, the Arizona Republic, which listed the main causes of business failure. And one of the points listed was cash flow. And Margaret said, why, if you're generating more money than you're spending, would cash flow be an issue? Well, Margaret, um, I hope I can pull that um, uh, seminar together in the second half of the year. I'll get, get in touch with some of my friends and see if we can make it a really great seminar. Maybe some other people from Voice America Business Network. Um, the, the other thing is, sounds strange, but many companies go broke when the business grows quickly as many companies go broke because of that as do with um, poor sales. Once your business is funded and you've got it off the ground, you still need to make sure you have enough money to run it, invest in it, and drive it. I know a number of businesses that where, for example, if they've taken in $1,000 and spent $600 on the business that week, they pocket the other $400 thinking that it's profit. And, of course, you simply can't run a business like that. Having a positive working capital means that you've got to have enough cash to manage operations, um, pay all your bills, be able to invest in marketing and sales, and meet whatever, whatever other obligations that you have. When your business is established, it's pretty easy to know how much money you need to run a business. And you know the cycles and you know when the good periods are going to be and the bad periods so you can balance your um, cash flow much more easily. But um, it's a lot tougher when you're just getting started. So if you get a substantial order, you're in a, are you in a position to be able to fulfil it? Um, I had a big discussion about this with a client yesterday. You may need to use in the industry benchmarks and detailed projections to get a rough indication of what your working capital needs are. And a lot of times today, retail, with the big retailers, um, it's sale or return. So you've got to be careful if you're going to go out and invest in manufacturing that if you get the product back because it doesn't sell, I mean, this often sinks a company. And the tough part's making your bank account match the projections of just how much cash you might need. You know, just-in-time inventory is one way to go. You can program your supplies to arrive supplies to arrive just as you need them. But, you know, you've got to leave a little wiggle room to be safe. And you've got to make sure that you have a contingency plan if anything goes wrong. Now, just-in-time, is, of course, is going to save you the storage and upfront costs that come with stockpiling supplies, and that'll make cash flow a little bit smoother. You can also send out invoices as early as you can, request payment in 15 days instead of 30. You know, I often get, um, I think the DMV is good at this, where they'll send you an invoice uh, today and they'll say, um, you know, in the fine print, this isn't due to be paid until May. Um, Costco does that. They send out their renewals about three months before they're due. So a lot of people just pay them and then they've got three months' use of funds before um, they they need to apply it. So you, you can ask for a deposit on large orders, stagger payments to suppliers, all of those sorts of things can help you with your your cash flow. 
you can take into account possible big expenses like um, equipment upgrades or fixing something that breaks and all those things have got to be allowed for in your cash flow forecasts, otherwise you're going to find yourself in problems. Um, Margaret, it's a good question. And the answer simply is you've got to have enough money to meet the fluctuations in seasonal demand for your product, any contingencies that might happen, any equipment that might break down, and also make sure that you've allowed enough money to be able to market yourself properly and put on good salespeople because without that, you cannot succeed. A copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, which is my latest best-selling book, we'll send it to you tomorrow. My second email today comes from Kent Buchanan from Vancouver in Washington, great part of the world. Dear Bob, your show is very entertaining and informative, and I listen to it at the office while I go about my work. Well, good on you, Kent. I appreciate that. I'm a part-time inventor and have a number of projects that are now fully developed that I believe have great promise. However, I'm very reticent to go out and show my inventions to many people because I'm afraid that someone will simply just steal my ideas. How do I protect myself? Kent, one of the most common fears of people who come in and see me is to protect their intellectual property. They all say, oh, you know, as soon as more people know about it, it's such a brilliant idea that everybody's going to pinch it. And Now, unless you expose your product, unless you're prepared to show it to potential investors or potential joint venture partners, you're never going to get the product off the ground. So it's one of those things you've sort of got to take a chance on. Um, and intellectual property protection is one of the great concerns of any business. So what steps can you take? Well, there's a few. There's nothing stopping a competitor to taking a basic idea and running with it, developing it, improving it. But you can protect your inventions to at least some degree. You can take patents, copyrights, trademarks, um, non-disclosure agreements. All of those things should be put in place to um, at least start protecting your intellectual property. You know, let's start with an NDA first. An NDA, a non-disclosure, um, means that anything that isn't common knowledge Essentially, anything that is in common knowledge, the person you're disclosing your invention to can't disclose any details or utilise any of those details. Um, they're pretty flimsy, don't stand up very often, and most big companies won't sign them, but nevertheless, it's worth a go. It is some protection. A patent provides legal protection for an investment or a process that's novel, um, Patents prevent others from making or marketing your specific invention for 20 years, depending on where in the world you are. To get a patent, you've got to file an application with the US Patent and Trademark Office. They aren't cheap, and a good patent attorney will make it even more expensive. But if the invention's critical to your business, you just have to do it. You don't have any choice. And it's critical to realise that the rights granted by a US patent extend only through the territory of the United States and don't have any effect in a foreign country. 
an entrepreneur who wishes to get patent protection in other countries, you've got to apply for a patent in each of the other countries or in regional patent offices. Almost every country's got its own patent law. So it's a, it's a lengthy process, but worthwhile. Copyrights protect original works of authorship fixed in a tangible medium of expression. Otherwise, in other words, the thoughts in your head are not copyrighted, not copywritten until you put them down on paper. But once they're on paper, you can protect them for the remainder of your life plus 70 years. Copyright exists the moment you write, record or otherwise create something tangible with your ideas. It also extends to both published and unpublished works. So, you know, the, the copyright registration process through the US Copyright Office can give you added protection, but it's not necessary for asserting your legal rights. A trademark is a symbol, a word, a slogan, used to identify your brand, and if you're claiming a trademark for your business, you can do so by adding TM after your mark. For additional protection, you can register your trademark with the US Patent and Trademarks Office. Now, none of these things will necessarily prevent somebody from stealing your idea, but they'll give you a legal recourse if they do so. Thank you, Kent. I'll send you a copy of Marketing Magic, a book I wrote a few years ago with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levinson and Robert Bly, and I'm sure that you will enjoy it. Don't forget, if you have a particular question or a particular guest you'd like me to interview, please send me the details to bob at bobpritchard.com. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're pleased to be bringing you this show since 2011. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show from Entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. I hope you have a great week and kick some butt. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.